The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. John E. Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan debt. I'm so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my social security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money, managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you create better financial habits, envision your long-term goals, and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of John E. Sistina and Company are on deck to show you the way. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Glad we're all together again. I'm your host, Tracy Bennett, and sitting with me today are certified financial planners, Stephen Lucan and Spencer Hager. Um, as we kind of prepare for open enrollment, open enrollment, we're going to we're going to get into some conversation and bang out some tips to get the most out of your employee benefits package. Kind of a, um, an unknown territory for a lot of people. You know, I've had a lot of conversations with family and friends over the years about the subject. And when it comes up, it's it's kind of like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. Everything is good. If it ain't broke, don't f- fix it kind of a mindset. Um, so knowing that people normally get their benefit change packets in August, uh, I think it's or September, October. Sometimes it's usually it's this time of year. It, yeah. it varies, but yeah. yeah, this is the time of year. Yeah. So let's talk about what they should be looking for when they get the notice that they can change their benefits. I mean, what's the starting point? Um, well, your that? your your point was 100% valid. It's it's like a lot of topics in financial planning. It's very intimidating. And a lot of people are afraid to even review or make changes of it. And again, this is part of building your own financial plan. You got to get your hands dirty. You've got to learn what benefits are available and how they apply to your financial plan. So no different than taxes, insurance, everything. We all those topics we discuss, estate planning, it's it's a very intimidating subject, but do it. Just get your hands dirty. And it starts with knowing what's available. And getting your packet and saying, okay, what is available to me? And Spencer, what would you say is step two? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the first part. I I think it would actually be better if we start knocking down some of the big benefits that come in and the brochures and then start sure. to work it through. Well, we're gonna get to that. Um let's let's kind of <laughs> let's kind of start at the very baseline. I want to know what are some of the commonly overlooked employee benefits that listeners should be aware of and should take advantage of. Yeah, there's a lot these days that kind of have started to creep in. So I'd say the main one main two. Uh, One, dependent care, flex spending accounts, flexible spending accounts. So essentially all that's saying is if you're someone who has dependents, right, that you're either sending, you know, kids to an after school program or they're in daycare so you can work. I think you can even use it for babysitters if it's to go to like a work event in the evening. You essentially can funnel pre-tax dollars into that account up to a limit depending on your income and use it to pay for the bills, right? So if you're already going to have to pay a daycare bill with money out out of the bank account, that you paid taxes on. The dependent care flex spending account could be a really good one. I'd say the second one's legal services. I feel like people overlook that all the time. So That's if you're, one. yeah, if you need to do an estate plan, it's good. And then some are really robust where you can even get discounted services for drawing up like lease agreements, things like that, depending on what your situation is. Yeah, legal services is completely misunderstood because I remember we used to have it available back in my corporate days. And I just like, oh, well, if I ever get sued, that's what I'm what's what it's there for. You just think of a negative perception that it's for a lawsuit. Yeah. But it's completely different. The way we look at it is for the estate plan. 
uh, because it, hiring or completing your estate plan documents is very expensive. Yeah, to put numbers to it, usually what I've seen for a legal services plan will cost you maybe 200 bucks for the year. Whereas if you're you know, husband, wife, even if you're doing just the kind of main basic documents, which is a will powers of attorneys, you're probably looking at 1500 bucks, depending on the state you're living in. If you're in a higher cost state, it could be more like two grand, 2,500. So it's a huge savings. Right. Is there one benefit that kind of really stands out to you as the most valuable, Stephen? Well, the most, if you're talking straight dollars, it is the disability insurance because you're insuring your income, something we've talked about in the prior uh, podcasts, uh, you, you're insuring your income. And and that, to me, is the most valuable uh, part of anyone's financial plan is your future income. So the, I would say that's the most valuable. You'd put that over health insurance? Good point. Yeah. 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 Well, well, it's a close call. Yeah, no, it's a good point. I guess, yeah, you could say the health insurance is the other one. You'll go ahead. Go elaborate no, on that. I, I probably yeah. agree with you. I think if you actually were, I, I'd say you're more commonly going to use the health insurance. Yes. So that's probably the one you have to dig into the most. But if you actually had to file a disability claim, it probably is more cost yeah. cost effective or beneficial. Good, Good. Okay. Let's talk money. How okay. do costs normally compare for employer provided benefits? Um, Compared to like, if you went out and got it on your own, mm-hmm. is that what you mean? Yeah. I mean, generally much better. <laughs> well, it's not less expensive, the but yeah. the coverage is is probably less as well. That's right? You I get wonder. what you there's, pay for. Right. Yeah. There's always some little caveat in there. Read the fine print, right? Again, I'd say probably the only exception is health insurance. Because again, depending on what... I, depending on what your situation is, I feel like most people, if you have to go out on the open exchange to try and get a health insurance policy, so I'm saying the Affordable Care Act exchange or something like that, if you don't have an employer kicking in part of the bill, you probably have a pretty high deductible plan, high out-of-pocket maximums. If you got a low one, the premiums are really expensive. So that's probably the one where no matter what, it's probably a better premium and probably better coverage. And you're you know, probably not getting gouged in the benefit compared to on the exchange. Yeah. And that's and that's the thing is every every uh employer provided benefit package is different. There's no it's no cookie cutter approach. So some companies really go over the top, but they spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's why I think a lot of people need to recognize those companies that do provide those kind of benefits that some gratitude on some of the benefits that are being offered, whether it is the health insurance or disability insurance, life insurance, uh, all that legal benefits, everything we've been talking about, it's extremely expensive for companies to provide. Gratitude. That's a new concept right now, isn't it? Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about how people can maximize their health and wellness benefits. So, you know, what can they, what can they actually do to track it to, to, you know, the starting point, know what you have, track it, uh, research if there's anything better out there. Well, I'll jump in here, Spencer, but Mm -hmm. it's understanding where your situation is that again, it starts, we use that word living expense worksheet or tracking your expenses, where your money goes, knowing your financial plan helps you to to determine what benefits should I enroll in? Because some of them, it's not necessary, um, especially as you get older, right? It may not be, you don't need the daycare coverage or whatever it is. So know your situation and then you can match it to what's available. Yeah, the only thing I'll say, kind of getting into the weeds of it, most people I feel like have the option for a low deductible health insurance plan versus a high deductible health insurance plan. 
I don't I don't think it's realistic to tell people go read an 80 page employee handbook and use that to do your open enrollment. But generally you get, you know, 10, 15 page brochure that you can work off of. And like to Stephen's point about evaluating your situation, like some common occurrences I see are you're you're looking to expand the family moving into the new year. Okay, you probably most likely without knowing your plan should go with the low deductible health plan because it can get really expensive between labs, tests, the actual uh, childbirth if, if that's happening. So that's usually a good example to say, okay, what's coming up? How does that affect it? And then if you have already have several kids, most people tend to, I think, lean towards the low deductible health plan. And I've gone through it with people to sh- actually dig into the numbers to say, even if you hit the out-of-pocket maximum with your high deductible plan, you'll still come out ahead no matter what because of how much less expensive the premium is. And generally those high deductible health insurance plans give you access to a health savings account. And if you're maxing that out, that's a tax benefit on top of it. So again, that was a lot of information, but that's kind of, that's, that's, how, you, my head just exploded. that's how you have to dig into it though, to make the most out of it. Because that's right. an example where if you just use the base level and said higher deductible, lower premium, but what if I have big health expenses? See, that's what most people do. Yeah, And most people actually go for the low deductible because of cash flow. No, no, because it's safe. Yeah, They're like, I just want to know it's the the lowest bill possible if something unexpected comes up, but you you may not be maximizing the benefit by doing that to your question. You want to add anything to that? That was a lot. No, (laughs) we'll move on to the next. (laughs) Let's talk about retirement benefits um, and the strategies that people can employ to maximize retirement benefits, like employer matching contributions, investment options, or taking advantage of catch-up contributions. So how can people make the most of their retirement savings plans? Let's start with the 401ks. I mean, the easy one is make sure you're putting in whatever they're kicking in for the match. Um, I don't really know a secret outside of that one. To your point about the catch up, if you're someone who's above age 50, just remember that gives you a little bit of a bump on how much you can put in depending on the plan. Um, I don't really know what you can do on the pension side of things. I, you know, again, usually those pensions are just based on how long you've been with the company and what your earnings are. So outside of saying, try and earn a little bit more, I don't know how to, do, how to juice that one too much. I, I would say the one that comes up, if you're fortunate enough that you have a lot of discretionary income, if there is uh, after-tax contributions on top of your deferred uh, deferral. Right, right? I'm glad you said that. Yeah, that would be one benefit. It's rare, but it's possible. Go ahead. Right. Uh, yeah, I was going to question. Please. I, I have a question <laughs> from just this little person sitting in this chair that's not a CFP. Uh, catch up contributions. I mean, what does that even mean? It's for old people like me. So when you, hit, when you hit, I'm older than you are. What are you sorry? Did you just call me old? Congrats, no, I just said old like me. So congratulations. Yeah, we're in the same bucket. Because you will. <laughs> so that means that allows you to put more money away in your 401k. You can defer more of your income, your salary. So it's not literally catching up and, from and, previous years. Correct. It's starting fresh, but, Every, but when you hit your, the year in which you turn age 50, you can put more into your deferred. You need to change uh, that your deferral. language. And we say 401k, but that includes. 403Bs. Um, it's a deferral of your compensation. So you you can put more away when you're uh, hit age 50. Okay. Yeah. Quick, uh, quick hack on that too, because I'm glad you mentioned the after tax. 
the boring answer is download your summary plan description right off the benefits website. You probably can find out that answer real quick if you have access to it just by logging into your 401k or 43B. If it's Fidelity, it's Schwab and Power, it doesn't matter. When you go to update contributions, if you have access to something like an after-tax that gives you higher deferral limits, it should say like after-tax and give a percentage next to it. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. That's good. That's and, good info. And that benefit really, it comes in later in life. It, it obviously, it's it's out of sight, out of mind money where you're putting it away. But if you happen to change uh, employers, that money gets rolled into a Roth IRA and it is a tax-free environment growth and it can really do wonders for you in the long run. So that's, that's I think, is where you benefit. It's it's uh, a Roth contribution, basically. And this is not really this under this head, under this t- topic, but in a, in um Relating to that, would you then continue adding to that after it's rolled over or would you focus on your current 401k? Um, I'm not sure I understand. So your previous employee, you leave yeah. an employee, an employee, a job. You can, and yeah, you, and roll, you can roll that over, right? Roll, they, you said it, it rolls into a Roth. Correct. Do you keep contributing to that in, in tandem you with can't. the others? Well, okay. you can't, you can only, only for annual Roth qualification contributions only if you qualify but in your new employer all the rules would apply to the new employer so some 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 401k 403p 403b plans do not allow for those after-tax contributions okay yeah last thing i'll say on this too i know most plans nowadays give you like an annual increase option when it comes to a 401k like start at 10 percent, and it's going to bump you up one percent every year until 15 percent. i actually don't really like those i think it gives people an excuse to kind of cop out and just i think it gets away from you like i, I find that people start at six percent you know thought they didn't sign up for the extra one and then it's uh, extra 1% every year. And then all of a sudden we're two years down the line and they can't meet other goals like taking a vacation or building up the cash reserve. And then we find out, oh, you've been contributing extra 1% every year for the last three years when you didn't have to. So it could be good for some people Ooh. with automation, but maybe just look at that a little bit closer before you do it. Yeah, that's definitely worth a consultation with your HR person. Um, let's talk about education and training opportunities. This, <laughs> this is, uh, this is, I'm just going to read this one. Um, how can employees make the most of, of educational or training benefits provided by their employees to enhance their professional development and growth? I'm, I'm trying to read that back in my head again. That was a lengthy one. Yeah. How can employers make the most of educational or training benefits provided by the employer? I guess so like Excel classes, things like that, yeah. right? to enhance their professional development and growth? I mean, again, that seems like a employer by employer one. The common one's just tuition reimbursement. Uh, most of my, I took advantage of it with my uh, alma mater target and good mm-hmm. people. But anyway, uh, say, there are plenty of employers that give you some money back for going to school. And I know some who, you know, some people work for their employers for 20 years and then they'll just pay for them to go back to college to get a certification or an associate's degree in something else and they'll pay for the full cost. So again, that kind of varies, but any of those benefits, if they're going to pay for it for free and it enhances your skills, you know, take it. Take advantage of it. Well, and tuition reimbursement, I don't really feel like they actively necessarily promote that. So if you're working somewhere and you don't know if you have it, look it up. Cause I've definitely had people who didn't think they had it and then had to dig into it and they found they did. Well, yeah. And if you think about it conceptually, let's say you have $10,000 of student loans, the new law would basically say you can reduce your compensation or have the employer pay it on your behalf 
think of all the taxes you're avoiding. You're mm-hmm. avoiding the payroll, social security tax, income tax. So it's a direct tax-free payment before all the, the payroll and, and uh uh, other subtle taxes. So it's a bigger bang for your buck to get that taken care of. All right. As a CFP, what advice do you have to maximize health insurance benefits? I feel like I skipped ahead on this question. Yeah, you um, did. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the main one is obviously the compare the deductibles, the out-of-pocket maximums. If you go the high deductible health plan, you probably have access to a health savings account. Again, and for the, people who don't know what a health savings account is, let's kind of okay. So through that. I'll actually kind of start with the other one then. So if you're on a low deductible health plan, like a PPO plan, you don't have access to a health savings account. You're going to be stuck with a health care flexible spending account. Good thing about those, you still get to put some pre-tax dollars into the account, right? So the good thing is, if you know you're going to spend two grand on health expenses this upcoming year, put two grand in the health care flex spending account. Again, you just get that tax benefit on avoiding taxes on the two grand that you would have otherwise paid. But but yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you don't use it in that year, it's a use it or lose it tool. So the downside is, and where I think people are rightfully wary about it, if you put two grand in and you only have fifteen hundred dollars in expenses, you lost five hundred bucks. Right? Yeah. So, so you have to get creative at that point. Maybe yeah. you need new glasses or go to the dentist, whatever. You can find those expenses, but you're scrambling and if you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah. And then Go ahead. Flex is the flex the same as the HSA? No, no. So that's okay. what I was trying to say. Sorry. So then, if ahead. you do a high deductible health plan that has a health savings account, it's the same in the standpoint that any money you put into it is a tax write off. You get a higher deferral limit. So if you're a family contribution limit, it's almost eight grand. I think it's seventy seven fifty. So all that's tax uh, tax deductible. And if you don't use it, you get to keep rolling it over. And most people, I think we'll, we'll talk about this in a later show. Um, I don't usually tell people in their you know late 20s, early 30s to always max it out. But at least the benefit is that you get to keep rolling it over. You do. You max it out when you're old, like Stephen. Well, exactly. or, or when, when you're maxing out all the other buckets, <laughs> if you're maxing out the 401k and the IRA, then you can actually invest money in that account, but that's a whole different ball of wax. Okay. What about preventative care, like wellness programs? They're, they're, again, what, what's available? Some some can be as simple as massage therapy, acupuncture. Um, uh, Doing a physical. Yeah, physical yeah. exams. Oh, they're all, see what's available. I've seen all kinds, even even general counseling. Um you know, somebody to talk to if if there's issues with dependencies, right? Dependencies are things really you're things you're afraid to have a, a address openly. That take advantage of it. It is all private, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll. I'm not sure if this is totally what you meant with this, but I'm going to pivot a little bit because these are really common benefits now. Kind of in that whole wellness side of things, really common ones popping up are critical illness insurance, accident insurance, and hospital indemnity coverage. Again, read into it, but hospital indemnity and accident, I'm always super wary of. Like a hospital indemnity is essentially if you get injured or something happens and you have to stay in the hospital, they'll pay you out a lump sum benefit to cover the cost of the stay. If you have a sufficient cash reserve, I generally tell people just don't deal with it. If you can't cover a hospital stay, then maybe you need to do it. Accident, same th- same deal, a little bit different. I've never seen one pay out. So again, I'm not saying don't do it, but understand. Yeah, and that's yeah. usually why it's cheap. And read the details exactly. exactly. Read why is it two dollars per paycheck? Yeah, is because the probability of this happening is so rare. Yeah, it's it's like getting hit by lightning, right? Yeah. And it it could happen, yes, but reality is it's probably not going to. Yeah, and critical illness. I always tell people I sit on the fence the most with that one. Like that's a 
if depending on what your family history is, if you have a long line of you know, cancer, unfortunately, or heart disease or something like that, it could be worth it. But if you you're healthy, healthy family lineage, again, maybe it's not worth it. But I again, only reason I point that out, I think some people see those benefits. And again, they just don't want to deal with it. It's five bucks to pay. All right, whatever, I'll yeah. sign up for it. But I, I will say you have to consider or factor in what kind of job do you have? What's your yeah, that's are, true. Are you in a high risk environment too? Yeah, if you're driving a forklift or driving a semi, uh, I have someone who travels for work, even into war zones. So we had to mm-hmm. look at their life insurance policy and make sure that act of war is not a exemption. So we had to look at a very specific life insurance policy because of the risks that he encounters. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Additional perks and programs. So what are some of the overlooked perks um, or programs in the benefit package and how can people take advantage of these offerings to enhance their overall package? I'd say what we addressed earlier, legal benefits often over many times are overlooked. Um that's one. I think the uh, one I didn't touch on, I think it's the last flexible spending account we didn't mention. It's a, called a limited purpose flexible spending account. So if you- You're going deep here, Spence. You don't <laughs> like us dropping, go for it. <laughs> All right. So again, that's a, if you, I'll just, a practical example is if you have kids that are going to have braces or something like that. And if you do a, an HSA, that's where usually when you get access to a limited purpose. So again, if you know you're going to spend two grand on orthodontics bills, that's another pre-tax tool you could use to cover the cost. So a little bit of planning is really necessary. Always. A yep. lot of bit of planning. Amazing. Yeah. Financial planning. Yeah. What are the tax <laughs> benefits or penalties uh, to using employer benefits? Anything? Well, usually they're tax favorable. That's that's the number. Most of them are. And again, you have to understand how it works. Uh, the example is disability insurance. Um if you want to pay with after-tax dollars, so the benefit if you become disabled is tax-free, where if you pay with pre-tax dollars, the benefit is um, taxable, which you don't want. Same thing with life insurance. Great. You want to add to that? No, I agree. I just, again, with how deep we went, I will say, look into yourself, but if you're working with a financial planner, hopefully they'll, they'll look at this yeah, with you. Definitely. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah it's a big factor. I do have one, pers- one question. Um, so is the does the employer legally bound to providing you with open enrollment? How do, There's a notification. I don't, what legally, if they don't? Uh, well, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not an attorney, uh, but I would assume is there's some law behind. But that's part of being in a good company with HR. You want those notifications going out. Here's time to enroll. Get on it. Um, that's part of the corporate culture, too, is communication with the employees. Mm-hmm. So if they don't, check with your HR department yes. to see when your open enrollment starts yeah. um, and then take some of these tips and and ask some good questions uh, to make your plan a little bit better. Yeah. One, one thing we didn't address, and usually it centers around life insurance, is understand how it works. And most of the time... When people enroll, they're like, oh, you're, you're per thousand dollars, it's X number of dollars. So you have a million dollars of coverage and you might be paying seven, 800 bucks a year. And that's great. But you might only be 25, 30 years old. Every year, those premiums are going to get more and more expensive. So that's where you need to coordinate. Okay, how long am I going to work? And then you could be 65, 70 years old and your life insurance could be costing thousands of dollars a year. And you may need it because of your other commitments to maybe a mortgage or other goals. So consider owning it privately versus through the group's benefits and understand that it may be it may be favorable now, but it might be more expensive later in life. Right. A lot of research needed to, you know, so, you know, 
dive into the plan, read the fine print. There's no dumb question. You know, seek the help of financial plan of a financial planner. They can help you. And and that brings me to our final uh, comments. I mean, we we've covered a lot of things today. Uh, we typically get uh, pretty detailed in these conversations. So there's a lot to a lot to learn. Even though it can be kind of difficult for the every person who's not a CFP, we hope that you will continue to stay tuned um, to our podcasts and learn and increase your financial literacy. Uh, we have some resources through the company. Uh, we offer a complimentary consultation uh, to our potential clients who are interested in learning more about their baseline, how they can do things better. Uh, pop onto the website, managingtobewealthy.com. Get to know us a little bit. Click on the pictures, read the bios. Uh, you'll see a very happy family of 21 uh, in this small business who do a lot of really great work for people. Um, so thank you for tuning in and uh, come see us again. We are Managing to Be Wealthy. That's a wrap for today's episode of the Managing to Be Wealthy podcast. We help you make the most of your money without any hidden fees or commissions. Remember, the best investment you can make is in yourself and your financial future. Keep listening for more expert advice and tips. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. To schedule a one-hour complimentary consultation to discuss your financial concerns, visit our website, managingtobewealthy.com.